BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. There's so much to miss about dating in the before times, but it isn't even just the normal dates themselves. It's the unexpected thrill of meeting someone new when you weren't even looking, the awkwardness of a blind date, picking up the check when they forget their wallet, that first kiss. Vaccination is the most effective way to help prevent COVID-19 and get back in the game. Find your COVID-19 vaccine location near you at vaccines.gov. That's V-A-C-C-I-N-E-S dot gov. Get back in the game. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. So much to discuss today. Just want to tell you that we have an amazing guest for you, Steffi Bake, and she is awesome. And I'm very excited for you to hear what she has to say. She just got out of a relationship. She's newly single. Lots of that. But before we get into that, I'm going to do a little solo episode. And I feel like I have a lot to address here. Last week's episode... So Lev Fur came on. He is a 24-year-old comedian, male comedian, and he had a lot of opinions that definitely were not things that I necessarily agree with. And I got a lot of feedback from you guys, which I always love. I will say, you know, to anyone who is like, you should not have given this guy a platform... I think it's so important to give a platform to people that you don't agree with sometimes because there is growth in a disagreement. You know, being able to disagree with someone healthily is okay. Um, A lot of people were like, oh, you were not hard enough on him. When somebody comes on my podcast, they are a guest. So it's like, imagine you have a guest in your home and you don't agree with them you disagree with them gently, but you're not going to make them feel uncomfortable in your own home. So just like perspective there. But I got a lot of really great feedback from so many of you. You know, I'm not going to roast Lev by any means because he came on the show and he was vulnerable about his opinions, which again, I don't agree with. I think women are amazing. I think women do so much more than marketing. Not that... if women work in marketing, it's a problem because that's also an incredible job and career. You know, I think we work really hard. I think we are just amazing. Like, obviously, you know, I'm a woman and I think women are great. I think that, you know, this particular person didn't really... I mean, he's 24 years old, guys. Like, he's not going to 
be a finished product by any means. I'm not a finished product at 30. Obviously, the pay gap is real. And women are not in competition with each other. Women lift each other up. And in my experience, women treat each other pretty damn great. Um, I actually went to a women's dinner the other night and had an amazing experience. And I felt like I got more out of that women's dinner than I had in a really long time. And there's really something to be said about women getting together. And if you have the opportunity to go to a women's dinner ever, or even just a dinner with your girlfriends, it's an opportunity to really get deep. And I feel like at this particular dinner I went to, people were not afraid to really open up to one another. And you know, I'm not going to say what everyone said because that's the whole point. But it's really a place where you don't feel judged and you feel really heard. And there were some tears and there was lots of laughter. And there's nothing like a women's dinner. I really will say that. Really nothing. Anyway, to close out the Lev conversation, what I will say as like a debrief is that I tried to listen to it with my boyfriend in the car and I couldn't get through the episode. So that tells you a lot. It was just like, it was a lot, you know? And yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree with a lot of his notions. And I think that he, as he grows up, will learn and grow and maybe come back on the podcast one day with some differing opinions. I'm going to get into some of your questions and then we'll get right into the episode. Somebody asked if I ever do reflection on old episodes or the first episode. This is a funny question because I listened to the fourth episode and I think the seventh episode on a long car ride with my partner recently. And I was kind of cringing at myself. I feel like the early episodes are very much, it sounds like you're eavesdropping on a conversation that you shouldn't be hearing. Almost to the point where I'm like whispering and I'm like, well, what did you think about that? And like, what did, how did he feel? Like the sound is so bad, but they're interesting. I definitely was in a totally different place and I didn't know anything and I still really don't know anything. I'm still figuring out and learning, but the first episode ever really makes me cringe. Like I don't, I really don't choose to ever listen to old episodes unless someone really wants to. I haven't listened to the first episode probably in like a couple years, but I know that I was just like shooting the shit with a friend and I had just gotten dumped and I was like bitter from that. And I was just like, you know, very much on one, like, oh, you know, dating sucks and this is my experience. And I think it was very raw and very honest. And I would speak on it more, but I honestly refuse to listen to it. I'm like cringing. I think I was like smoking a joint the entire episode too. And I used to eat on the episodes and like crack open Diet Cokes. It was bad behavior. I don't know how we got to this point. Someone asked, can you talk about having ugly weeks? I swear some weeks I'm hotter or uglier for no reason. This is so funny. I feel like this is such a real thing for me. And I was just talking about this on Mark Grove's podcast, um, which I went on recently. And I'm going to reference that a couple of times in this solo because we had so many great conversations. I fluctuate like every other week. I'm like, you know, fluctuate in terms of my weight, but also like in terms of how I look, like everything fluctuates all the time. And not that like your weight should have any effect on how you look, but I think 
it's really normal to feel like some weeks are better than others. And like that should be normalized. Like you're not going to look in the mirror every moment and be like, oh my God, I'm so hot. And it's okay to not feel yourself sometimes. But the reality is that like, if you really are having like a quote unquote ugly week, which I'm sure, you know, whoever wrote this in is, is beautiful and that's impossible. But then like dress up one night. I feel like that helps me. Like sometimes I just give into the ugly and I'm like, I'm just going to wear sweatsuits all week, but then I'll dress up one night and I'll be like, Oh, I actually don't know why I was like so hard on myself all week. I look cute tonight. And like just putting in effort sometimes makes me feel better. Something else I wanted to address on, in the last episode I talked about like having sex with your partner and how like, I, I forgot exactly how I phrased it, but I was like, if you can do it, you you know, you should do it. And I think that that could definitely be triggering to some people who have suffered from, you know, sexual trauma and things like that. And, and I'm really, I apologize if it came off like that. I think my point was really just from a woman's perspective. Like when I want to have sex, I want my partner to be into it and to be down and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously if he's not, like I'm I'm never would force him, but I think that it's, you know, it's like sex. And, and I got this advice from like, I don't know, older women who have been in relationships for their whole life. They're just like, it's like, what's the secret? It's like, oh, well, like I still like to have sex with my partner. And I think when you lose that, at least for me with physical touch being a big love language of mine, I, you know, like kind of lose that, desire for the person if we go let's say like a month without having sex which hasn't happened but you know for if it's been like a week like I want I want to rip their clothes off you know but that's just me and I'd hope that they felt the same about me how much did you share on a first date this is tricky I feel like I always when I used to date like I would borderline between sharing way too much or being very reserved I think the best situation is that you share the basics. So like your family, if they ask you about it, your job, if they ask you about it, where you live, like all that stuff, you know, if you're comfortable and you can get into like pet peeves and things like that. I feel like that comes up naturally. It's like, let's say the waiter doesn't use a pad to write down your order and you're nervous that they're not going to remember it. So you're like, oh, that's such a pet peeve of mine. You know, you'll bond over that. TV shows, things like that. And then if there's an opportunity to get a little bit deeper. I think that you should always take it. I also think that it's okay to talk about your exes on a first date. Not like, oh my God, I miss my ex, but like, when was your last relationship type of thing? You don't have to get into like, oh yeah, and my ex-boyfriend, I just like, I really didn't like the way that he did this. And then, No, like just say, you know, why it ended, how long it was. I always hate when on a first date, they're like, and why are you single now? My response to that always was like, I just haven't found someone that's worth it. So... Hopefully you can use that if you ever get asked that question. Is it a red flag to be in a position to ask what are we or to ask to be exclusive as a girl? I also discussed this on Mark's podcast. And yes, I actually do because I think asking what are we is giving away all your power. It's like, what are we? I'm confused. So you set the tone of the relationship and I will just do whatever you say that we are, you know? And it's like, instead of asking what are we, you can state how you feel about someone. Hey, I'm really enjoying getting to know you. I'm really enjoying whatever this is. Just wanted to, you know, let you know where I stand. And then they'll let you know where they stand. But to ask what are we or to ask to be exclusive to me comes from a place of insecurity. And that's not cute. 
Body image, bikini pictures, and the notion of a hot girl summer, what does it look like? Hot girl summer is a mindset. And I feel like people need to understand that. Hot girl summer does not mean like starve yourself or post bikini photos. It means I mentally can do whatever the fuck I want. Like I was just talking to someone who is recently single and she's on a dating app looking for couples because she wants to be their third. And I think that's so cool. And I was like, that's awesome. And she's like, yeah, hot girl summer. Like hot girl summer is you taking your power as a woman and doing whatever you want this summer because you have the freedom to do that. And no one should be holding you back unless you meet someone you want to date them, in which case that's still hot girl summer, but you're in a relationship. Guys, girls versus girls, girls. This is always so funny. I feel like this is such a construct. Like every girl should be a girl's girl, in my opinion. I feel like it's not like... I I always disliked when someone was like, I just get along better with guys. It's like, no, then go to therapy because I don't feel like you're exploring that deeper. Like what is it about other women that you don't get along with? I think that in an ideal world, you get along with guys and you get along with girls, right? Like I like to think I'm a girl's girl and a guy's girl, but I don't like when it has to be one or the other. Like, are there women that are less of a girl's girl, aka the women that won't tell you where they bought that piece of clothing? And you're like, I just don't understand. Like there's a special place in hell for you. Um, Yeah, that exists. But that doesn't mean that they're more of a guy's girl. I think that just means they're like, not that nice or not that giving. I think to be like an extra girl's girl, it means like you go out of your way to protect women, to bond with women, to make sure you're surrounded by a strong group of women. Like if I see a woman crying in the bathroom, I'm all over that shit, you know? And I would think that like, and hope that other women would be. If I see a woman at a party feeling lonely or like alone, like all over that shit. If I have a meeting with women... And with men, like I'm more likely to bond with the women. So does that make me a girl's girl? Maybe. Or it just makes me someone who loves and appreciates a female connection. And don't get me wrong, like guys are great too. And it's so important to have friends of all genders. But I personally can connect deeper with women. And I think that that's such an important thing. And if I had to choose between a friendship with a woman and a friendship with a man, I would choose a friendship with a woman 10 out of 10 times. I don't know if that's helpful, but I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode with Steffi and looking forward to hearing your thoughts. I can't believe credit cards exist because I just like buy something and then I'm like, oh, I didn't have to pay for that yet. But they really add up. And if you're carrying a credit card balance month after month, it can feel like you're in a never ending cycle of debt. Upstart, is a company that we work with and they can help you make that final payment so that you can get ahead. It's an easy and fast way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. So you don't have to go into any banks or anything, whether it's paying off your credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over half a million people have used Upstart already to get one fixed monthly payment. It's really, really easy to use and Upstart knows that you're more than just your credit score because let's be honest, not a lot of people have a good credit score. Unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income and your current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. 
It's just a five-minute online rate check and you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash Acme. That's upstart.com slash Acme. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you from the pod. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash Acme now. I don't know where you are right now, but I'm in New York City and it's 90 degrees and the humidity percentage is 87%. And I'm pretty sure it's going up to 94% tonight. If you've never experienced that, I'm really happy for you. But I need help to have a good hair day. Like it doesn't just come naturally for me. And I'm tired of having a bad, frizzy hair day. Like I'm over it. So I'm so glad that I'm about to go in the shower and wash my hair with Function of Beauty because I'm going out tonight and I want to have nice hair that isn't just like, it just, it's not, not that frizzy hair is bad, but I just feel it. I feel my hair, like I, I blow dry it and then it just gets frizzy and I'm just over it. So if you haven't heard of Function of Beauty, it's the best. It's customizable hair care. So you just like basically they come up with this formula for your hair's needs. You take a little quiz, tell them about your hair type and your hair goals, like lengthen, volume, oil control, frizz control. And then you choose your own color and fragrance. I personally love the rose fragrance. And after the quiz, they send you your 100% customized formula. And they'll give you a regimen card with recommendations on how to use all the products. It's really nice. And the packaging is unreal. So turn your good hair days into a good hair life. Go to functionandbeauty.com slash Acme to take your little quiz. And then you'll save 20% on your first order. When you go to functionandbeauty.com slash Acme and let them know that you heard about it from our show, you'll get 20% off your order with functionandbeauty.com slash Acme. Let me know what you think. Hi, I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. We're the co-host of a podcast called A Thing or Two. It comes out every Monday and the basic premise is this. We share all the stuff we think more people should know about. So that's apps, recipes, books, the nationwide haagen vanilla bean shortage that nobody else was talking about. Our no, one. no one. No <laughs> one. Our preferred vacuum brands of which we have multiples and critical explorations of our unique approaches to paper towel usage. Listen, we think you're going to like it. A lot of people do. And who's to say you'll be any different? Listen and subscribe wherever it is you listen and subscribe to podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Steffi Bake. Hey, Steffi. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I love your podcast. Thank you. So tell us more about yourself. How old are you and where are you from? Um, I'm 25 and I have been working in the entertainment industry for a very short time. The rest of the time I've been doing mostly real estate. So I'm very new to the entertainment industry, but I... I model and I act now. I love it. And t- yeah. so how did you get into all of that? Um, I know that you live in LA now. Did you always, or like, was that something that you had always planned or did it just kind of like fall into your lap? Okay. So my biggest fear ever was public speaking. And so like, I really wanted to get over that. And so I started taking improv classes and I, I was so uncomfortable taking the classes, but every time I would finish uh, by the end of the thing, I, I just felt so empowered and so excited that I was getting over just like being in front of a bunch of people and, you know, infusing comedy with that. 
And so as I started doing that, I was like, oh my God, this is something I really want to do. And I was already modeling at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, it'd be fun if I can. I like performing. I like the performance uh, aspect of, you know, of uh, modeling and acting, um, comedy and all that. So I was like, okay, I want to start seeing if I can act. So I got myself like a random person off of Yelp, actually, that my first commercial agent. Uh, start off slow that way. And then um, I started like booking a lot of campaigns and I was like, oh my God, I can make money off of doing this. Wait, <laughs> Not the confidence. Yeah. That is so cool that you found them on Yelp. Like I didn't know you I could know. find an agent on Yelp. You just searched <laughs> like best funny? agent in my area or something. Yeah, exactly. I looked up age. I was like, how else do I search somebody? Like, oh, I, th- oh, I, f- I find everything on Yelp. Like, you know, like my massage therapist food, whatever. So I was right. Like, okay. So you were like, why I couldn't like, I find this? <laughs> that's amazing. That's I kind of helped that I, I kind of went in like kind of fearlessly like that. Mm-hmm. Like without, I didn't know anyone in the industry or anything. So I was like, all right, let's just, and I was so nervous to get this agent and I love her, Melissa with mink. And, um, I just got, I guess, lucky with, I got lucky with them. I signed with the first person I just went in and I was like, there's no way they're going to take me. I have no, you know, experience in this, but Totally. Yeah, very, very exciting. It was really I'm, fun. I'm sure she feels lucky that you came to her also. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And Steffi, when is your birthday? We're pretty into astrology on the podcast. So I have to ask. My, I can tell you my date, September 17th. So I am a Virgo. Oh, Virgo. Yeah. My rising is Virgo. My sun is in Virgo. My moon is in Pisces and my Venus is in Scorpio. That's so interesting because your moon is the opposite sign of your sun sign. I don't know so much about astrology the way I know you do, Mm -hmm. but like I'm very emotional and I'm always in my like, my, I'm like always sad. Like that's definitely moon and Pisces for sure. Yeah, for sure. But Uh, but mm -hmm. I didn't lean into that. And I always did that in my private space. I would Mm. never show that anybody. That is very much what our moon sign is. It's like our secret emotional self, which is really funny um, because we don't really show it to anybody. But when we're told about it, we're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is for sure. Secretly me. Um, Steffi, what is your current relationship status? Ooh, um, right now I'm currently single and I am or was a serial monogamist. So this Mm -hmm. is like one of the first times I'm finally like fully single. And it's been, I have to say, it's one of the hardest things like I've had to do is to give up, give up relationships. Like I've always had a very codependent relationship with my family. So that's always, you know, brought me into like relationships where I'm very codependent. And so like just being by myself now has, oh my God, it's like difficult, but I'm also like, I, I go to therapy and it's really helped me find myself and my confidence, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I was codependent and I would often need validation from the person I'm with, right. With, with my relationships as well. And, um, that security I get from being with somebody, but now that I'm by myself, it's fucking hard at the beginning. It's getting a lot easier. I'm getting closer to my girlfriends, which I think helps a lot is having just friends to be around and like have a lot. I, I book a lot of activities with them and kind of forces you to go do shit that you've wanted to do. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I feel like 
like being newly single or just single in general, like is the perfect opportunity to really like get to know the people around you that are already in your life and like stay busy. And, you know, so many people will reach out to me and they'll be like, what do I do? How do I get over this breakup? And it's like, just throw yourself like into your life, you know? And like, when you feel like you want to retreat, like retreat, but spend your time like living because you have this like opportunity to, and like, let yourself feel the feels along the way. It's hard to see that when you're in it though. Like, Mm -hmm. especially if we're codependent, which I think, would you say a lot of people are? Oh yeah. And I want to actually dive deeper into it. You said you're very codependent on your, like with your family. Like, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like financially or emotionally? It was emotional because my father passed away when I was six. Mm-hmm. which I guess I learned is that my therapist tells me it's the time where you, between the ages of six and seven, that's actually when you learn to really love yourself and you learn to love yourself through like your parents, like their validation toward you and like the feeling of your own significance toward yourself. And it helps to have parents. If your parents are in healthy relationships mm-hmm. and have a healthy relationship with their kids, they're able to like show you like the, the affirmation you can get. But if you're by, if, you don't have that, you get lost in like your own shit, right? You, yeah. you, And I think because my father passed away at that age and it was like my mom, she never went to therapy or anything when after that happened. I think she was very traumatized. There's a chance that she was probably depressed at that time. Mm. But therapy in my culture, I'm Korean, you know, it, it was not something that was, it's frown, not frowned upon. What's the word I'm looking for? It's there's it's like, it's, yeah, there's a stigma. It's like judged. I, that's interesting because I've heard that about like, let's say, you know, like British culture, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that, that that was the same with Korean culture. So oh, yeah. where do you think that came from? Absolutely. I don't know. And in the past, it's, you know how people would be like, oh, you're, you're crazy if you're going to a psychologist. Like that right, was yeah, that was that like was the me. old mentality. Right, exactly. And so I think because of that, it's kind of the same thing. It all comes from that same place. But there's so many, I, I, I see so many like Asians that need therapy and um, Koreans come from like a time of war. So there's obviously a lot of suffering that happened during that time. A lot of uh, emotions that were almost, you know, like you weren't allowed to show your emotions. That was, that was a bad thing. And mm-hmm. so like our parents, like their generation, they do the things that they, their grandparents did during the wartime, which is like suppress the feelings. We got to like go make money. We got to like, you know, support the family and, you know, war mentality. It's, yeah. It's sort of yeah, that. totally. Like just, you know, suppress and like pretend it's fine and put your best foot forward. Exactly. Because it was like, that's what you had to do. It was like, Mm -hmm. or you die. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so during that time, I don't think that I was getting uh, the support that I needed from my parents emotionally. And I became a parentified child where I became the the person helping take care of like my younger sister and my mom, Mm. almost like the, the male figure in the house, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like I became a, a like, uh, like a f- weird to say this, but like as, a, as some sort of father figure where um, I learned to suppress my feelings, like little things like um, fixing things around the house. Yeah. Um, I had to do all that because my mom like didn't want men in the in the house and 
you know, I know how to put a toilet in. Like I know how to do plumbing. I I know it's like the water. That's so impressive. (laughs) Weird things like that. But then also like if there were bugs around the house, my mom, my sister couldn't take it. And I'd be Mm -hmm. the one that even if I didn't want to go catch it, like, you know, I didn't want my family to freak out and feel uncomfortable. So I'd be the one to go and like take care of those things. Right. So when you say codependent, you mean like they're dependent on you in a way. Exactly. Not me Mm -hmm. being, well, but also I think there are elements of like, I would allow them to make decisions for me because all of us are very strong women. We've become Mm -hmm. very strong because my mom's a very strong woman. And she, I think she had to be because of the conditions. Mm -hmm. And I didn't make decisions for myself, certain things like, like, um, it's so simple, but like I'd go to a restaurant and I would want them to choose the the food because we eat family style. Right. And so mm-hmm. if there's like three dishes and my mom wanted two of them, my sister wanted one, I just wouldn't make a decision. Like I'd be like, Oh, I'd rather have them be happy and make mm-hmm. the decision for us. And then that affected me growing up. So like, I remember even like when I would go out with my girlfriends, like even in like high school, I would be so nervous to order something off the menu because I was like, oh, but what do, what do, what does everyone else want? Right. I cared so much about the validation I would get from, you know, other people being happy. Mm, And, and putting yourself last. Yes, exactly. And you think that, mm -hmm. I was just going to say, and you think that translated into like your romantic relationships because of that. Yes. Yeah. And like self-struggle, right? Like when you're allowing other people to make decisions, not to put it on them. Those are like my own things that I, you know, I, I would get frustrated because it's like, I want to eat like, you know, I'll go to Bottega Louise and I'm like, oh, I want like the macaron, right? Like the green macaron or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, but then I would still be like, Hey, I would ask my partner, like, which one do you want? And then right. of course they would tell me what they want. And then I would be all passive aggressive in my head about like them choosing the wrong one, yet they wouldn't even know what, like, they don't know my issues. Like, I didn't know until therapy that I had all these issues. Yeah. I mean, that's why therapy is so important. We always talk about this on the podcast. Like, you don't know yourself. And even if it's just like hearing yourself back, like I was in therapy the other day and I was listing out my problems to her. And then I was like, this is funny because these aren't problems, but yeah. like I didn't know until I said them out loud yeah. that these are actually like blessings and the, these are things I should be grateful for that like I have this yeah. set of problems as opposed to another one, but you don't totally. realize. It's that unconscious that we're bringing forward, right? Like the stuff we really don't know is there. Right. Um, yeah. Until, I, you know, go back and my therapist does like an eclectic style of therapy. Mm-hmm. So she uses different forms and we go into our, our past a lot and then we'll learn from the past and then we'll talk about how that's affected my relationships now. And so I see just so many like behavioral problems. Like I've seen, like I used to be very avoidant. I don't know, you know, like all the different like attachment yeah, attachment styles. styles. We have a whole episode on that. It's so oh, important. Do you believe in all that? Oh, like, for I, sure. But I do yeah. think that your attachment style can change because you said you used to be avoidant. Does that mean that like you're more secure now? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like when I take the test now, I'm secure. Uh But I see when I was taking the test, I was almost certain I was avoidant in my past relationship. Yeah. And I was in a really long-term relationship then. And I see a lot of like, just a lot of things that I like regret being like with that person. And I, um, yeah, I take a lot of responsibility for that past relationship especially after reading this book. 
Yeah. Um, you learn yeah, you so much. And, and that other person had the anxious relationship, right? Mm-hmm. It just kind of, it ended up, it's weird because like after a while, it kind of balanced each other out. I think we made it work that way, but it just wasn't healthy. Yeah. Right? What I've learned from that, from the whole attachment style thing is that at least one person has to have secure attachment in order for it to really work long-term. Speaking of being a girl's girl, which we talked about a little earlier, there's nothing hotter as a woman than fantasizing about other women. I know you're like, what are you talking about, girl? But a lot of people are into this. And what Ever you're into, no matter what it is, you can always find something that turns you on on Dipsy. If you haven't heard of Dipsy, it's an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. So if you're into girl on girl, if you're into boss and coworker, whatever it is, Dipsy has something for you and it's hot. If you're in the bath, if you're maybe walking down the street and no one knows what you're listening to, whatever you're into, Dipsy has something for you. And they also have wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. Or you can just masturbate, which also helps you relax before you drift off. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Acme. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories dot com slash acme that's dipsystories.com slash acme now i want to talk a little bit about like the people that you've dated in the past if there is some sort of like commonality between them um sally shout out to sally love her um she mentioned you know you might have dated some creatives in the past and Mm -hmm. i think that's really interesting because i personally have never really done that. Like I, I've always kind of dated somebody who like has that stable job, but like that, like interesting personality. I actually, a long time ago, my uncle was like, you need to find like the interesting person with the boring job. And I thought that was Uh, a really interesting thing to say because I'm a creative and that's why he said it. I think it can be different when like, you know, you both have like that boring job, let's say. What is your experience dating creatives? And as a creative person, Mm -hmm. do you think that that's a good idea? Or do you think that moving forward, you would do the opposite? That's a new new thing because I was the caretaker of my household and Mm -hmm. because I like push push myself into a job where it wasn't creative, it's sales in real estate. And my partner was also in real estate. So it was very like a state, it was like a pretty stable job. You have to make sales, but it's it's like we created it into a nine to five uh, so that it became more consistent, like a real business. And before that, I also date I dated uh, another professional. He was a lawyer, and before that was a doctor. So it was always someone professional. Mm-hmm. And it, this is the first time more recently I started, I got into, I started getting into, you know, the creative entertainment world and I started dating someone creative. And I, I don't know why before I just thought that it wasn't possible to date a creative and that they would be like successful. I think that was the part that really 
and that they weren't going to be secure. Mm-hmm. Not just because financially, but just like stability, having stability in their life. And I need that because I feel like a lot of times I could be more of the non-traditional person in the relationship. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you're right. Like, isn't that isn't that the risk that you take when you're creative, right? Like you can have a, a really good year and then you can have like mm-hmm. a really bad year or mm-hmm. a really good month and a really bad month. And I mean, depending on what you do, right? Like the first profession that came to mind is like an actor. Like yeah. an actor can be crushing it and then like be doing really badly and then so on and so forth, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's why you got crypto. <laughs> <laughs> I still, no, I still don't get it. I like, I'm too scared to invest, even though I probably should just bite the bullet at this point. Every creative I know is in crypto. And I can't tell you if that's a good thing or not, but I've seen some people become really rich off it. So I'm like, why not take the risk? Yeah, maybe maybe I need to be cryptoing. Um, But yeah, I mean, I understand like the stability thing. That makes a lot of sense. Like one of you has to be stable. Yeah. But there are creatives that are really good at what they do, but they've mm-hmm. been able to uh, monetize that. Yeah. And so that becomes stable in itself. Or I meet a lot of creatives who have who have a lot of different sources of income also, mm-hmm. like not sticking to the one thing, which so it's like, you know, if one thing doesn't do well in one part of their job, they have something else. Like, you know, if they're a musician, they have the hosting or they have like you know, clothing or something or like, right. you know, they have other ways. And so I, I now recognize that you can definitely be a creative or work in the creative field, like, you know, work in the behind the scenes, like being a producer or a creative director and like still, you know, killing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I see it all, every day. So yeah. I don't, I don't see that. I don't, I don't see it as like a problem before. I guess I, when I, growing up, I was like, when I think of the word creative, I'm like, oh, you're like a painter or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like an art, like graffiti artist. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, now it's like, it could be so many things are so many under things. the creative field. Yeah. You could make TikToks and fucking be a millionaire. Exactly. You know I mean? <laughs> YouTube channel. Um, um, do you but I'm think, very attracted yeah. to, I'm very, very attracted to a creative creatives. And I don't know if I can date someone that's not anymore. Mm. Even if they're just like, they have the boring job, but they have like a side thing where they're creative. Yes. That's cool. Okay. That's very yeah. cool. I, I, Cause I want to be inspired by whoever I date. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, I don't know how inspired I am by like many jobs that are like nine to five. (laughs) That's actually a good. So we do these poll questions on our Instagram and that's a good one. Like, are you inspired by the person you're dating? Because I bet you most people are not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm curious. I'm going to ask that after this. But I wanted to ask you, you know, I don't know like your dating history Exactly. But I am curious because we, other than like having Sally on, I don't think we talked about this subject a lot. And just like, you know, I have really only dated like American men, British men, Spanish men, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have not experienced dating a Korean man. And I wanted to ask like, you know, what are some things that are different if you've if you've dated a man who's Korean versus dating like a typical, you know, American guy or typical yeah. whatever it is. It's funny because I dated a lot of different races. Like if we're talking yeah. about race, I'm pretty multicultural. I've been around the world, though, you would say. Uh-huh. Like, I want to hear yeah. it all. 
I know, but except, um, and most people are surprised by this is a white man. Interesting. I have this thing where I'm like, I mean, very adjacent to white adjacent or like, you know, like I've dated Jewish men, but mm-hmm. never like a white, just a straight up white dude, like a bro. Are, are Jewish men not considered white? I don't know. I, I want to. I don't know. Because I'll take it. I'll take it. Then I barely date white men either. <laughs> yeah. I'm just so scared of a man not being cultured enough or whoever I date. You to be mean like, enough. you mean like a, let's say like, guy from the south who's christian and white yes exactly okay or or, or bro i really am not a oh yeah bros are the worst Mm -hmm. bros are the worst but i grew up in the south bay here in la and Mm -hmm. like everyone's a bro Mm -hmm. really not attracted to that like yeah no the culture of it i don't know i also don't drink and i feel like drinking is a big part of bro culture Uh (laughs) uh-huh But yeah, uh, so dating, going back to like dating, I've mostly dated Asian men, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I always had the healthiest like vision of what I think of a Korean man because like Mm -hmm. my mom always made it seem like Korean men could be problematic because we come from a very patriarchal society. And so she, you know, in my mind and seeing, you know, my aunts and uncles, it was like women kind of took on a lot of Asian women are very strong, like Korean women are strong, but they take on these like domestic uh, roles or had to take domestic roles where they're like their caretaker, they make food and, you know, they clean the house and the men are the dominant ones. But I just, I think because of that, I just was like, I don't want to date a Korean dude. And I really only, I've only dated two Korean men in my life. And the first one I dated was actually very sweet I think because he's he's Korean American he's born here and his friends were mostly like Filipinos and Hispanic he had a lot of like their culture in him mm-hmm. um but I one thing I do remember that like really stood out to me was that if we got married he wanted me to to live with like my mother-in-law like that we would all live in the same household and I was like no 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 no, no. like I remember being like I could never be with this person is that like, is is like taking care of your mom as like you know growing up as a korean man is that like part of the deal because i feel or like it, yeah no go it ahead it used to be it used to be like cuz generationally in the past my mom her parents that's what you did right back in the day but now no you don't see that really in american culture i think even in korea i don't think that's very uh that's not like the wave anymore Mm-hmm. Be- because women are working because we're becoming very independent or we are independent and mm-hmm. you know even with the me too movement here it went to korea and so a lot of korean women started coming out and you know speaking their mind and talking mm-hmm. about the future and the uh, toxic masculinity and these right. things that um, things are definitely changing mm-hmm. in that world mm-hmm. but yeah i, I don't know it's it's hard because me and sally do talk about that a lot I, but you know what? I have to take some responsibility in the way that I would, I think there was a lot of like internal hate toward men growing up that I, because I didn't grow up with the best impression of men. Mm-hmm. First of all, I didn't have a father figure to see, look up to. Right. So I definitely have some sort of daddy issues there. I would see a lot of my family members, the women in my life that are like the most important people in my life have been fucked over by men in so many mm. ways. And so I never wanted that to happen to me. And so, and I didn't, I hated seeing women getting so hurt by these men. 
you know, mm-hmm. the lying, the cheating, the domestic violence, all these things that I would see like constantly hear about all the time in my community. And it just put a really bad taste in my mouth with men. And I think I talked to my therapist about that. Cause I'm always like, I hate men. I hate men. Like they're the worst. And it's like, I realized how unhealthy I was being because I think that I would somehow project that in my relationships. Right. I think I would take that out in men somehow in a very subconscious, unconscious level. Yeah. Like instead of giving them a chance to prove themselves. Exactly. Exactly. There's something in there, right? That I'm like, oh, I like move into a relationship with this like something in there, the sickness. Mm -hmm. And I've worked on that. I'm like, instead of hating it, like I need to work together. We need to work together to, uh, to progress. Mm -hmm. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I definitely changed my, my view on that and shifted that. And I do that within my relationships as well. Not communication has been the most important thing I would say in the relationships. Yes, that I would hundred percent agree with. Um, Not to make you choose favorites, but just out of curiosity, what is like the culture that you've most, I guess, like admired that you've dated since you said you dated all kinds of cultures? Oh, okay. I dated someone Indian for two years. Mm -hmm. He was uh, Punjab, Punjabi. Mm -hmm. And he, that was a really, I probably went over to over like 10, 11 weddings. And there was like half of them, there were elephants. So like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to fetishize it, but it was just fun. Like they're very like fun people. There's a lot of dancing. They're entertaining. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are entertainers. Everything's so colorful, vibrant. Like the family values are really similar to Asians, you know, like we care right. about our family a lot. Um, you respect your elders, but they really know how to party. And so I, I always thought that was really fun. I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed that is really fun. Culture. I am. I, um, I have a friend who just recently had an Indian wedding and we had to come up with, we had to make a like synchronized dance as the bridesmaids. Yeah. And it was so much fun. Like it was just like the most epic. Like I felt like I was in a Bollywood film. That's awesome. So good. Um, So as I mentioned before, we do these poll questions and I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay. What's more important, love or sex? Fuck. (laughs) <laughs> both or I just have to say yes or one just say uh-huh. okay um love fuck okay. sec I love I love good like they go hand love, in love hand is more really. love, love is more important but so this is kind of like a follow-up could you go without great sex for no. a deep love and connection no mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree no. I agree is it possible for a guy to change after going on a boy's trip or were, or were they just not into you enough? Yes, they're able to change uh, because I've seen it. It's happened to me. Really? Yes. Wow. Interesting. Just like the friends convincing them not to be in a relationship or something? No, they them coming back actually and them wanting to be in a relationship, like an intense, oh. like committed a positive change. We it's like that. It's a positive that. change. Very unexpected. Very like unexpected. That. If your partner has a hectic work schedule and lives 30 minutes away, so you rarely see them during the week, but they like mm-hmm. to spend their weekends with their friends, is that a red flag or is that normal? Um, I think it's fairly normal. I understand like work is work. And sometimes you just want to like not have to think about anything and go just like fuck around. Like I get Mm -hmm. that, but of course I think it's so important to stress how important it is to work on your relationships. 
it is a form of work too. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you need to make time for anything that's important to you. Yeah. Right. So you're making, you're making time like for your emotional, like in your uh, mental state by going out and having fun. But if you want your relationships to work, then you you also have to make that time. Yeah, Yeah. Do you think that people care or like, do you care about attainability when you're going for people? Like, for example, you're not going to go for someone who you think is like the most attractive because you're worried that they're not yeah. attainable or something. Yeah. Um, I do notice that I'm not, I don't go for the hottest dude. Like typically I have to know if they have an emotional connection with them, but um, there is definitely, I think there's some sort of like insecure mental block where I, I think if someone is like the hottest guy in the room, I'm like, that guy's going to like cheat on me or something. Like yeah. that he has too many, they have too many options. And even if he liked me, I just don't want to deal with all that. So I'm mm-hmm. just like not going for it. I'm also just not physically attracted to the most, like, I don't know. I like grunginess, grossness in a person. And yeah. typically the most like attractive man is not that person. <laughs> no, I hear you. I yeah. hear you. It's yeah. it's funny because people think that like being the most attractive is like the best thing, but actually because of the reasons that you just said, it like yeah. it can be bad. Yeah, are you um, like that in a way? So, not really. I kind of like do go for the most attractive, but okay. that's because I'm a Libra and so like oh. all I care about is visual. But like I would be turned off in two seconds if they yeah. their personality didn't match it, you know? Oh. Um, but like I want everyone to think that my partner's attractive. More importantly, oh. I want I want to think so, but I want them to think so too. Interesting. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's probably just like being shallow. Like I, I don't <laughs> think it's like any, I don't think it's like any secret. Like I think it's just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, I care about aesthetics and it's a problem. Wait, are we talking like nines and tens? Like, what are we talking? I don't know. It depends what you think of as a nine or 10, but like, I'm talking like, yeah, like a, like somebody that is undeniably attractive that like everyone is like that person's attractive, you know? Okay. Okay. (laughs) What about like success or popularity versus it being a physical, a physical thing? Ambition right. is more important to me than popularity any day. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Any day. Agreed. Agreed. Have you ever taken a picture with your date if you're vibing with each other? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've, I'm sure definitely done that. If you're, if someone you're seeing is taking too long to reply, like they waited a whole day, do you answer them after another day to be petty or don't even engage? I don't engage. I agree. Like that's like, like what's not fuck? okay behavior. Like, you want to? Yeah, exactly. Mm-mm. Is it normal to feel weird seeing your ex post with their new partner, even though it's been four years since you broke up? No, it's not weird. I hope all my exes who I loved that they find someone that they really care about, and I genuinely mean that. So I don't. After f- fucking four years, come on. Like so, so it is weird if you have a reaction. No. You mean? You mean if they did it? If they like, did it? Like basically the question is like, is it weird to feel something like strange oh, when you see it. that? You know? No, it's not weird to feel something. Of course. Right. Because like very- you, yeah, you had a you had a long moment with that person. So Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. So every time I do see it, of course I feel, of course, it's a natural instinct for me to feel though. Some way I would feel jealous if like whoever I'm dating was like talking to some like was with like 
you know, physically talking to a girl like in front of me, that's like hot. But then I recognize immediately that that's like, that's just normal. I think that's just regular behavior, human behavior. Yeah, I agree. But I would say that if you were the one that broke up with them and you're so, so over it, I think that when you see the photo with them, like you're like, oh, good for them. You know? Absolutely. That's how I feel. Yeah. But I also, the thing is, I also have always been the person to have broken up with the other person. Oh, you know that's been a, that's a red, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I think that's a red flag. Like whoever. You are a red flag. You need to be dumped. You have to be humbled. I know, right? It'll, like, it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> Thanks, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rite of passage, but you know what? Right. It'll right. teach you a lot. It'll be yeah. good. It'll be good to talk about in therapy. Well, I've been heartbroken. But that doesn't okay. mean... Okay. But that's equal. Like, you don't have to be dumped if you've been heart... If, if you've been heartbroken, that's all you need to take to a new relationship and yes. like really know if it's good or not. Yes. yes I totally agree with that. Um, yeah. And that happened to me very recently, like in the last year. And now I understand when people are like, I'm sad over a breakup. Before, as an avoidant, I would just be like, fuck it, I'm gonna find my next dude or I already know right. who the next dude is. Now I'm like, it's so hard so hard. It's hard. It really is hard, but I feel like you're single at the perfect time. It's hot girl summer, box girl summer, oh, yeah. and you are going to yeah. rush it. We're going out. <laughs> I've been going out. You know I mean? love it. I love it. <laughs> Steffi, do you have a quote or piece of advice that you could leave our listeners with that has helped you throughout the years or just that you think is like helpful? Yes. Um, basically do whatever the fuck you want and do it as soon as possible as you can. Don't go hurting yourself or, but you're going to get hurt. It's fine. Yeah. You're going to get hurt. What you want is like, listen to your inner child, basically. Like that's Mm. a more eloquent way of saying it. Do what you've always wanted to do. Go for Mm -hmm. it. If you think about it all the time, why aren't you doing those things? Go find an agent on Yelp. Yeah, exactly. Don't overthink it. I'm I'm a Virgo, so I can overthink things like right. talk myself out of it. But just go go do the thing you wanted to do. I love that. Where can everybody find you and follow you and maybe slide into your DMs if you're oh, accepting? Shit, please. <laughs> do you have a lot of male listeners? Maybe. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> or girls too. Or girls. I'm oh. bi curious. Okay. I have so okay. I'm gonna put that out there. Good to um, know. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. On Instagram, it's baked goods. B as in boy, A-I-K-E-D-G-U-D-S. So baked I love that goods. name. <laughs> yeah, That's my last name's baked. So and then uh twitch.tv slash Steffi Bake, S-T-E-F-F-I-E-B-A-I-K. And then uh Twitter, I think is the same as Steffi Bake. Love yeah. it. Steffi, yeah. thank you so much. Um, this was awesome. 